There were a few books that I read probably never would have started my business and been successful sure. had I not read them. And then when I read, he talked about you have a duty to yourself, your family, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your community to go get as much of this resource as possible so that you can help as many people as possible. What's up, Joel? Hey, Jared. How are you doing? Good, man. It's uh, it's my son's birthday today. Oh, he's, Elias? Yeah, he's two. Yeah. Nice. I know, he's two. He's a cool kid. Cool. We got more cheesecake, which I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> from the same place that y'all got cheesecake yesterday. Did you like that cheesecake? I thought it was good, yeah. Mm. I mean, you don't like, it was like moist cheesecake. You don't like yeah. moist cheesecake. No, I like it dry. Yeah. Yeah. I could see like when we cut into it, like the bottom as it warmed up, like kind of almost started to melt. Mm, yeah. And that's you're how like, you know. nope, that's, <laughs> that's a bad sign. Not a good sign. Yep. And then. So my... I didn't, I didn't know that I liked cheesecake mm -hmm. until, well, back in Fairbanks, we got a, what's the name of that bookstore? Gold. No, no the, the big bookstore. Barnes and Noble. <laughs> we got a Barnes and Noble. There was a Starbucks in the Barnes and Noble yeah. and they had. Cheesecake Factory cheesecake that probably sat there for months mm, before yep. it ever got on the or shelf. Or it's just frozen forever. <clears throat> probably. And so by the time you get it, it's literally the driest cheesecake you've ever put in your mouth. <laughs> and I freaking loved it. And then ever since they quit having cheesecake there, mm -hmm. I've always gone to places and I'm like, I love cheesecake. Mm -hmm. And I go get the cheesecake. I'm like, this is not as good. But it, it's but it's still okay to you, right? Like It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's like... Like I've made some cheesecake. Mm -hmm. When have you made cheesecake? Oh, dude, come on! I'm a cheesecake making fool. I'm gonna ask Crystal about this one later, because and I'll leave it in the oven for a long, long time. I think that's the key. Yeah, yeah. like I like to get like brown on the top. Mm -hmm. Most people don't like that. Mm -hmm. And then you go stick your fork in that thing, and it's just like crumbly because mm -hmm. it's so dry. Mm -hmm. That's how I like it. You put it in your mouth, it's like, yeah, <laughs> takes takes the moisture out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like it. <clears throat> well, this cheesecake wasn't like that, but I'm excited to go home and eat it. Cool, I'll come with you. Yeah. No, you can't have it. <laughs> nope. Sorry, bud. That's my cheesecake. I don't even want any. <sighs> That's okay. <clears throat> cool, dude. Um, today we're gonna talk about books. All the books that I read that have where I learned something extremely valuable that helped me in my plumbing business. We'll talk about the book. We'll do a little bit about what we learned in the book and how we apply it to the plumbing business. Do you think we can also structure it like you read this book when you're at this stage in your plumbing business to maybe give some context of how it <coughs> like transferred right into it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Some of them I read them just in like the perfect, it was like oh, perfect timing sure. and I was huh. like, some of them I wish I would have read earlier. They would have helped out a lot. Like mm -hmm. I was, I had struggled with this thing for a long time, and then mm -hmm. I read this book. It was like, ding, mm -hmm. right? Early on in your business, where did you make time to read books? Um, I knew they were important, so mm -hmm. I would read books. Like I didn't watch TV. Instead of watching TV, I read books. Yeah. Uh, me and my wife, we would, we would make. We didn't have a TV in our living room mm -hmm. back then. We actually didn't have a TV in our living room until. Like a year ago. Yeah, till you moved here, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so... And you got a big old TV. Yeah, and it's too small because it's so, so far away. <laughs> it's an argument that I have with my wife a lot. <laughs> this hey, TV's too small. You got to argue like, about something. She's like, it's the biggest TV we've ever had. And I'm like, yeah, but we're so much further away because our mm -hmm. living room is like long. Mm -hmm. It's way longer than any living room we've had. You anyway. should just, just get TV like mine. Dude, your TV's retarded. It doesn't even look like a TV. I know. That's why it's cool. Do you guys even use it? 
Uh, every now and again. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> we might use it tonight. Watch cheesecake and movies. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to eat the cheesecake and watch movies. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we would make tea and mm-hmm. as dumb as that sounds, make a cup of tea and mm-hmm. sit down and read books. Yeah. Yeah. Not the most exciting thing, but there's something about like books, you learn a different kind of knowledge, right? Sure. Because the author is, it's like, like we watch podcasts or mm-hmm. whoever's listening to this is probably listening or watching a podcast somewhere. Right. And it's a it's mm. good because we'll go in depth on like a certain topic, mm-hmm. but we're not we don't like pre-think all of these topics through. Right. Yeah. A book is like a podcast that somebody sat down and intentionally wrote to mm-hmm. pass on very in-depth information. Right. Mm-hmm. Not all books, sure. but the good ones. Mm-hmm. The ones we're gonna go over in this podcast, mm-hmm. they were, they all do that, right? The author was very intentional to pass on information mm-hmm. and to go into it in depth so mm-hmm. you have a complete and full understanding of the whole thing i i don't get that from anywhere else other than books when you were a plumber did you read books um no <laughs> I was like, did, did, why is he asking me this question <laughs> like, come on you know <laughs> do the I answer look to like this? i read books? you know the answer to this did anybody like around you read books like in like the plumbing trade or no okay no hell no <laughs> i mean maybe they read books at home they didn't talk they didn't, about it though i didn't tell anybody about, about it hey i read this really good fantasy book you want to <laughs> check it out no they definitely wouldn't have said that no yeah didn't happen yeah Mm. So it wasn't until you started your business that you started reading books. Yes, because mm. I knew that I needed to learn information. And I watched a YouTube video of this guy mm-hmm. and he was like, leaders are readers. And I read 32 books last year yeah. and it helped me go from 500,000 to 2 million. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, I got to start reading books. Yeah. So <laughs> he had like his big book list. Yeah. It was probably just to make a video, I'm sure, but I don't sure. know. I don't know who it, would do anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> so I tried to read a lot of books that year. I think I had a big mm, list of books. Mm-hmm. I don't think I made it through them. Did you take just his list or did you add your own books or what? No, I took there were I took his list. There were some that that I knew I wanted to read, and then every time I would read a book, it seemed like there would be another book recommended. Oh yeah. Definitely. And like your book list gonna get huge, right? Yeah, almost would, like yeah, like you're never going to make it through that sucker. Uh, yeah. And then you like start reading and you're like, you you want to keep reading the book just to say that you finished it. Mm-hmm. Like that was the year that I developed the mantra of if I'm in this book and it sucks, I'm going to put it down. Yeah, that's a hard I'm thing. N- I struggle with doing that. Yeah. I'm not going to keep going. Mm-hmm. If I'm tired of this chapter on something that they've hashed out 10 million times, mm. I'm going to skip ahead and see mm-hmm. if there's anything good in the book mm. and keep going. Mm. And I think, and you know, and then last year I started reading books more than once. Yeah. Like, do you still a, do that? I'm going through that book right there, hundred million offer. Yeah, but didn't like, you go like back to back? Like, didn't last year you'd like read a book once and then you'd like, okay, let's do that again. Yeah, I did. I think I read. Uh, yeah, I did. I didn't do that to too many books, but yeah, if it's good, then I'll go. I think I'll go through it more than once. Yeah. Yeah. I think really successful people read books. Like, especially within the business world. They do, because there's information in books that you can't get anywhere else. Well, I think the information is like such a, like we talked about this, like it's a depth of information. Yeah. 
and it's easy to find. You yes. can find it, yeah. and it's easy to go back and reference it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't read on Kindle. I don't read online. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> so that I have a physical page that I can always go back to and reference. Mm-hmm. I can earmark that page. I can mm-hmm. put a sticky note in that page mm-hmm. or whatever. Go back and reference it, right? Mm-hmm. And you can like highlight stuff and take notes and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Do you do that when you read? Do you write in your books? Yeah, some of them. Yeah, not all of them. Do you go back and see those notes and like some of turn them. that into an actionable thing? Some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always try to make mm. some actionable connection. Yeah, when I'm reading a book. Yeah, if possible. Yeah, right. Yeah. Otherwise, you, otherwise you're just reading for uh-huh. no reason. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to tell, like, what is just informational that you're just going to store and then access later, and what is like, oh, this is something I can just do right in the moment. Yeah. Because some books you read it and you're like, oh, cool, this is information that will be useful someday. Someday. (laughs) Yeah. And like, maybe. But that's why I like having the physical book. Yeah. Because there are times where I'll go, I'll be like, oh man, I remember in that one book, Mm -hmm. what did it say? Mm -hmm. And I'll go grab that book and I'll go find that part. Mm -hmm. I'll read it again and I'll go. Sweet. Mm-hmm. And that's way easier than like, what did Jared and Joel say in that one podcast episode that oh, I yeah. don't remember what it was called, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Um, and then have to go through a two-hour podcast mm-hmm. and try to find some information. Mm-hmm. So podcasts are a great way to learn information, great way to get, I feel like podcasts are a really great way to get like off-the-cuff information and yeah. up-to-date, like relevant information. Yeah. Um, books are just a timeless Yeah like knowledge put into a book yeah 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 next i'm gonna read i really want to read some warren buffett books yeah like we got our book club going yeah you're gonna bust out a warren buffett book i think so i started listening to a warren buffett biography i just wasn't in the headspace to like want to keep pushing through Mm -hmm. because like i don't like i can't read biographies i can't i shouldn't say can't i choose not to read biographies because they're so stinking long then I'm going to get bored and I'm going to not do it. But Dude. if I listen to him, especially if I put him on yeah. like 2x speed, I can get through and get sort of the gist of the guy. Yep. And I think biographies are helpful because you can see like the make of the person who did the thing that potentially you want to do. Yep. You're like, oh, dang, that's where Warren started. That's how he thought about investments. That's yep. how he thought about business. And yep. then you can see like, can I apply those character traits to myself? Yep. What does it look like in my life to do these things? Yep. Like I read the uh, biography of John D. Rockefeller. Yeah. Or I listened to it. Titan. Mm-hmm. That one was really fun. It was cool yeah. just to see his way of doing things back yeah. in the day and sort of the struggles he went through. Um, we've talked about this, but there's one thing in there that I always remembered where he was in his factory and talking to the guys who put little beads of solder on his um, kerosene cans. Yeah. And the guy was like, hey, man, we do 12 beads of solder. And he's like, oh, well, where do they fail at? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I want you to go find out where they fail and like go one above that. And then the guy did it, and at the time, it saved him like a million dollars over the next two or three years, Yeah, which in like 1890, it's a lot of money. It's a butt ton of money. But so the direct transfer is that like, okay, like there's inefficiencies that you have in your life and in your business, and if you can identify them yeah. and tweak them, it can do a whole lot for your business. Yeah. You have to reach scale, though. Well, of course. Like once you hit a certain scale, then you inefficiencies really start to hurt. Yes. Right. So in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's like this mess. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, at some scale, you have to go, oh, I got to go clean up this mess a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then you scale yeah. some more and then you got to go clean up a little more. Yeah. And on and on and I on. I think we've talked about that. Like if you go into the, if you try to make it 
more efficient before you do other things, like yeah. before you get your pricing right or you have marketing. Like, yeah. Well, I got to go. It's like you're just finding these little problems that seem yeah. obvious to you, but they're not really going to. They're not real. They're not problems yet. No. You're trying to solve them before you get to them. Yeah. For no reason. And sometimes yeah. I think we do that because we don't want to actually address the thing that is a problem. Probably that's harder and challenging. So yep. we go and we, you know, we uh, pitter, we pitter around we over here. We do the easy thing. Yeah. Or we yeah. do the thing. Well, I'm going to start messing around with this idea. We yeah. never get to the real thing. Yeah. I always tell everybody, um, always try and identify the biggest constraint in your business. What's the one thing that's holding you back mm-hmm. that if you took care of, you can move forward in? Right. Right. For most people, it's cash flow right. in the beginning, especially. Mm-hmm. It's cash mm-hmm. flow. So everything needs to be through the lens of, is this going to get me more cash flow? Right. No? Okay, I'm going to do it later then, and I'm going to do the <laughs> yeah. things that give me more yeah. cash flow. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think so. Another thing, that's no, like another great point about books is like some books are good listeners. Mm-hmm. Some books you really need the, mm-hmm. need the version in front of you, mm-hmm. right? If I want to get like serious with a book, I'll read it. But if I just want to like absorb the information for like, well, I don't know, like it sits in my brain and maybe yeah. it manifests itself in me somehow and then I listen to it. If I want to get serious, I listen to it and I read it. Yeah, Alex Ramosi talks about <coughs> listening and reading at the same time. Uh-huh. I've only tried it once. It Dude, was hard. It's magical. Really? For me, it is. Do you So do you like put on the audiobook and then you read the same book? No, typically what I'll do is I'll buy a book audio version. Mm-hmm listen to it if it's any good i'll buy it and i'll read it mm-hmm. mm, sure because you can t- i could make it through it faster if i listen to it yeah because it can just be on in the background yep i'm not really actively listening engaging in mm-hmm. it but i'm getting the gist of it mm-hmm. and i can tell is this going to be a good book or a bad book if it's really good i'll buy the paperback copy yeah. and i'll sit down and i'll read it mm-hmm. take notes that kind of stuff yeah yeah well i think it was interesting and is interesting that you started reading when you created your business? There were a few books, so, and we should go into this, because there were a few books that I read before mm-hmm. business that really helped me understand a few key things mm-hmm. that really actually helped me be successful in business mm. before I ever started my business. Mm-hmm. And I probably never would have started my business and been successful sure. had I not read them. Yeah, gotcha. And mm-hmm. it was just, there were two books that I read. There was one... Um, I had a friend, he had Crohn's disease real bad. Mm-hmm. You know, he would eat and it would hurt real bad. I don't know all the symptoms, but um, he read this book called The Maker's Diet. It's basically, it's a diet book, yeah. but the whole idea is like, hey, you were created by a God, which mm-hmm. I believe, and then since you were created by a God, you know, he created food and he created you to right. eat a certain way, mm-hmm. to eat certain foods. Like basically saying <clears throat> all these processed foods, you weren't created to digest sure. those. And if you can just stop eating those processed foods and start eating like whole natural organic foods, mm-hmm. then you're going to see your health improve a lot. Mm-hmm. And so he read that, he did the diet, and it like changed his life, yeah. right? And I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. You could see it in him. Like all of a sudden mm-hmm. he was, Interesting. He, he wasn't hurting mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. He was vibrant. He was healthy. He lost weight. And I was like, dang, man. And so my wife had um, real bad eczema her whole life. And we were like 21 at the time when we read this, 21, 22, maybe somewhere in there. And so she read it, and then she started eating that way, and her eczema got a lot better. Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, there's something to this. So I read the book. I had no idea what it was about. Read the book, and it gave me that first realization of, okay, 
There's information in books, number one, that's useful, <laughs> right? Because up until that point, I'd sure. never really read like an informational book. Right. And, and if you would have asked me if I like reading, I would have said, no, not at all. Yeah. Because I equated reading with like fantasy and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever equate it with like school and like school, all that? I want stuff you to read these books that. that I don't care you about. write stuff about it and yeah. it's never helpful. Yeah. Mm. So up until that point, I only read one book. The Old Man and the Sea. Mm-hmm. That was it. Hey, Costin said you can't talk about that. It's the only book I like. Can't talk about it. If you haven't read it, you got to go read it. It's a good <laughs> book. You can read it in like two hours. It's a classic. Maybe three. Um, so that book, it was like, okay, books can teach you something that is true that you can then go and apply to your life, and it changes your life. I had that realization, right? Yes. And then so that realization made me okay with reading like informational books, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Hey, if you want to take your plumbing business to the next level, you're going to want to join our coaching program over at Wealthy Plumber, where you can get everything you need to grow a multi-million dollar plumbing company, including pricing calculators, SOPs, email campaigns, and the whole nine yards. If you want to check it out, go to wealthyplumber.com. That is wealthyplumber.com. And then there was another book that I read, and I, I don't remember if I read this. I think I read it right before... I started my business again or right, you, you right were, during it. You were right on the cusp because we were doing home church and I remember you like, hey, this guy, Joel Salatin, you know, this yeah. book is really cool. Like I yeah. think, I'm trying to remember because I feel like we were, I remember which house we were in. We were on, um, what's it, Martin's house. And, oh, yeah. and you were like, we should all read this. I remember buying it and reading yeah. it too. Oh, did you, was, did you also read at the same time the, the farm business one that he wrote? Mm, I think I listened to that one and I never bought it and yeah, read it. Because I didn't know if maybe that had an association with like encouraging you to do business because you saw how he did his farming business and it gave you inspiration. No, I don't think okay. so. But I read The Pigness. What is that? The Pigness the piggy, of Pigs? Isn't that like The Very Pigness of Pigs? or just No. Anyway, The Pigness of Pigs. Yeah, Pigness of Pigs by Joel Salatin. Yeah. And that book really nailed down like so I had this realization that, okay, I can learn something and there's things that are true in the world that mm-hmm. if you learn them, mm-hmm. it changes the way you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. And can change the way you do. That book really lined out like, hey, if you really believe this, then mm-hmm. if you really believe these things that are true and you know them to be true, then how come you're not acting them acting them out in your life, right? right? And it was... It was that that like, mm. it was like, oh, I need to actually like live by my convictions. Sure. So sure. like when I believe something's true and mm-hmm. I feel convicted about it, whatever the hell that means. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need, like you, that could be a whole podcast episode in yeah. itself probably. We could do your mental, you know. <laughs> don't, don't, you, don't you even do it. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we talk about Alex Hormozzi's book. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, there's just this idea like, okay, there's truths. There's these things that you can learn in the world. And mm. now I understand their limiting beliefs. Like right now, all of us have things we believe that aren't true. Sure. And when we <laughs> learn something true, it changes the way we think. But mm-hmm. it shouldn't just change the way we think. It should change the way that we do and that we live. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that led me to when I started my business... I read my first business book. Mm. So I have that frame of mind now of there's truths in the world that I can learn mm-hmm. that can reframe the way I think. Mm-hmm. And if I really think that that's true, then it should change the way that I do. Sure, you should it do should, something with it. It should show in my actions. Mm-hmm. It should show in my life. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. should be able to mm-hmm. look at me and say, 
he believes that's true. Right. right? So I read The Science of Getting Rich. That was the first book. Yeah. And I think you had started your business when you read that one. I did. I'd started my business. I was probably a month in. Mm-hmm. And I read that book. I listened to it. I probably listened to it like three times. Mm-hmm. And I read it a couple times. Mm-hmm. And that book, in that book, they go into you know, all the visualizing, mm-hmm. what is it? The, the, there's an energy in the universe mm-hmm. and just by thinking it, it's very similar to like think and grow rich mm-hmm. where you can like mm-hmm. think it and imagine it and you'll, by the energy of the universe, you'll attract it to you, right? Sure. Which I don't know about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of get it because it's kind of like, you know, there was a time where, or actually, this is a good example. My wife wanted a Ford Bronco. Mm-hmm. She saw him, She saw one or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so then all of a sudden we're driving around town and I see freaking Ford Broncos everywhere. Yeah. I didn't even know mm-hmm. what they were, mm-hmm. right? I didn't know what they were at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, just because she wanted one and it was in oh, my head, I started, it to your I started noticing them, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So the way I kind of see like the energy of the earth and Mm -hmm. you pulling stuff towards you and all Mm -hmm. that hocus pocus stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't really view it like that. I Mm -hmm. view it like it just kind of opens your awareness of opportunities in front of you yeah. because you're thinking about them, right? So now you notice them. Not that those opportunities weren't there and you attracted them to you. It's just Mm -hmm. that they were always there and you didn't really notice them or take advantage of them Mm -hmm. because you weren't thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So that whole book, you know, it's like, okay, so I need to start like thinking about what it is that I want. Yeah, sure. And so that's when I started like writing down in my journal. Yeah. Like the, like actually even just starting to figure out like what do I want my life to look mm-hmm. like? Like what a, uh, when I'm talking to my 85-year-old self, what do I, like where do I want to be? Mm. What do I want to have accomplished? Mm-hmm. What do I want my life to look like? Mm-hmm. What's going to make that, like what's going to make me proud or happy mm-hmm. or content when I'm 85? Right? Mm-hmm. started thinking about that stuff and then going, okay, how do I get that and how do I get there? And then start writing that stuff down. I think in from watching you, especially when you read that book, it seemed to me that that book helped you work through your poverty mindset that you sort of been burdened with your whole life. A little bit, yeah. Because like, that book, I think, introduced you to an idea of abundance. Like so did Joel Salatin's mm-hmm. book because that was a very abundance-focused book. Yep. But you made this pivotal shift that said, oh, wait, there is an abundance of opportunity in the world mm-hmm. and I just have to go out and get the opportunity. Yeah. And then when you have the science of getting rich, you're like, okay, so if I just like lean into this idea of like, okay, I will just, we'll, we'll use the word manifest, right? Yeah. Like if I just like manifest these ideas, they'll come to me. Yeah. Which is sort of what the science of getting rich is getting at. Um, yes. But we don't have to think about it in like the, uh, mm, all the terms and all the baggage that comes with those terms. It's the yeah. idea that you're focusing on an idea. Yeah. And then that is going to lead you into the actions to actually achieve that. So yes. long as you don't lose your focus on the idea. Yes. So I think what happens is we'll think of the idea like, oh, I'm going to go and, start a plumbing business and become successful. And then we get distracted yeah. by something and then that takes us away. We lose focus and lose energy and we go start to do the thing that distracted us. Yeah, it's really like when you start when you start thinking about where you want to go and start trying to go towards there, mm-hmm. you start like seeing like, okay, I should probably take this step. Yeah. And when it's when you do that, 
Like it's when you go do the doing of the thing that opens new like things of like, oh, actually I need to go do this, right? Mm -hmm. Or you go try and do it and you fail, mm -hmm. which then creates a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. So then you can do it again, but better. Mm -hmm. And you just start to progress towards what you want naturally, mm -hmm. right? It just, it makes sense to me. Yeah, so long as you keep what you want <coughs> in clear focus. Yeah. Because if you change what you want because you fail, well, yeah. I can't ever get there because I failed, so yeah. I might as well readjust my goal, and yep. then suddenly you start to go down a different way. Yep. That's actually not going to get you to that original goal. Nope. Because you've decided that that's unattainable because you failed in that one moment. Yes. Yep. Yeah. One other thing that Science of Getting Rich that I really liked about that book was, you know, it's, so you're correct. Like, the Joel Salton book, Pigness of Pigs, it was really like an abundance. Like, hey, we have, mm. the whole earth was designed in a way to be abundant. Mm -hmm. the, and he, it's, he's a farmer, so it goes through the lens of like mm. his farming practices and how the way he goes about his farming creates abundance. Right. And how that that's everywhere in life. Mm -hmm. you know, everywhere he looks, he sees abundance, mm -hmm. right? And that did, it changed my mindset from a limited mindset, mm -hmm. scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. And I really started to think about money that way as well. Like, yeah, okay, sure. Mm. There's an unlimited amount of money and opportunity mm -hmm. out in the world. I just have to go after it. Right. Yes. And then when I read the science of getting rich, there's one part in there where he talks about, you know, if you and it, and it just tied in so well with the pigness of getting the marvelous pigness of pigs. Mm, that's it. That's what it is. Marvelous. Mm -hmm. It's marvelous. Yeah. Um, where he talked about, you know, if you if you really want to do as much good as possible in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. you need to think of okay, what's the best way to do good, right? Mm -hmm. And so on, on Earth right now in our society. Mm -hmm. The way to go do things, you have to exchange a resource for something. Right. And that resource is money right now. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go do anything, it's right. it requires an exchange of money, mm -hmm. right? Or an exchange of something. Like mm -hmm. you can go exchange your labor for money. Mm -hmm. You can then take that money and go exchange your money for something at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. You can go exchange that money to help somebody out. Mm -hmm. So you have like time and money are the things that we have to exchange, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Time we're limited on. Mm -hmm. We only have so much time. Right. We can only give so much of our time. Mm -hmm. Money is an unlimited resource. We can go get an unlimited amount of money, mm -hmm. right? So if we really believe like, okay, we're on this earth to do as much good as possible, mm -hmm. And money is the resource that we have that's not limited. Mm -hmm. Then it should be our duty to go get as much of it as possible, mm -hmm. so that we can do as much good as possible. Right. Right. And that really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And he even breaks it down to go as far as like, hey, you have a duty right. to yourself, your family, your grandchildren, your neighbors, mm -hmm. your community, your city, your state, your country, mm -hmm. your fellow man your fellow woman, God, mm -hmm. to go get as much of this resource as possible sure, so that you can help as many as people as possible. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of shaped not only the way I thought about like my abundance mindset and going and getting money, but it shaped about what I'm going to do with that money sure. when yeah. I get it. Right? Because mm -hmm. um, just going after money, it's like, well, I only need so much money right. for myself. Right. But 
when you start to think about money as opportunity to do good in the world, that mm-hmm. opens up a whole new use for money, mm-hmm. right? So did that provide you a lot of motivation when you were starting your plumbing business? Mm, I don't know. My main motivation was just like, like it wasn't money, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. It was, mm-hmm. I just wanted to get, it still isn't money. Yeah. Like I have a hard time being motivated by money. Mm-hmm. It's tough. But um, it's more, It's it was more of, I just, I was tired of being a plumber, number one. Right. Tired of working for other people. I wanted a little more money because mm-hmm. I was tired of making, you know, 80 sure. to 100K a year. Mm-hmm. I could see like my retirement probably isn't going to be that good right. unless I do something different. So mm-hmm. I could see the writing on the wall. There were things like my kids are about to graduate. Right. You know, my daughter's getting older. I want to be able to pay for her wedding. Mm. I want to be able to, my son was a few years away from graduating. Mm-hmm. You know, he ended up getting married. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be able to send my kids on a good honeymoon. Right. Things like that. Mm-hmm. That I that I wanted that I that I wasn't going to be able to do in my current situation. Mm. Those were the things that motivated me the most, gotcha. probably. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Science getting rich was a good one. Yeah, I know that when you're talking about it, especially like again, like our home church context, it was mm-hmm. like I just still remember watching people being like, dang, this guy's just about getting all this money now. Yeah. Because it was He's like, it was at the top of your mind because you were like, yeah. we should go get rich. And like our community yeah. was like, what are you talking about? Like, we should be not, we should be doing something different than focusing on that. Yeah. Cause I grew up in a church where it was like, you should, like the, like the, the best path you could take was mm-hmm. you go give away all of your money. Yeah. And you, and you sacrifice your life for the Lord. Right. Right. And it just, it never sat well, mm-hmm. with me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but what sat really well was like, no, you can do that with money. You right. can give your life away and have money and do a lot more good that way. Mm-hmm. Way more good. Right. So why not? Mm-hmm. Seem just makes way more sense. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially if you go read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, last thing on that. Really, what I think it helped you do is it just took a ceiling away from your potential where I think you had been living your life underneath the potential like oh I'm only going to do this I'm just going to live in Fairbanks and this house and this is kind of what my life is going to be but sort of once you read those books and you started to process them as you were creating your business you had this vision of a future that didn't have a cap there was no limits which is so important because the conversations that I have with plumbing business owners and that even guys in our course where they still haven't grasped this idea that like, dude, there's no limit to the potential of your success. Yeah. Financially, freedom wise, all that stuff. Like and there's really not. That's the funny part is most of these guys start their business because they want freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how I was. I mm-hmm. wanted the freedom to go make my own schedule, to right. make more money, to provide for my family, all this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But then they limit themselves by their beliefs. Yeah, yeah. So they end up not achieving the freedom that they actually wanted mm-hmm. because they're limited by beliefs in their heads. Mm-hmm. And that's the craziest part to me is that it's mm. all up here. Yeah. Like 90% of your mm-hmm. limit is up here. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Which again rubs us back around like, you should read books because those things help unlock those limiting beliefs in your head. It's one, Books are one of the only things that I have found that actually unlocks limiting beliefs yeah i've never i've oh i shouldn't say never i can't think of a single time that it hasn't been a book Mm -hmm. that i read that i was like wow 
that just changed my world, mm. right? Yeah, we should also operate under the assumption that we have a lot of limiting beliefs. Like even oh, if we yeah. don't know them in this moment, we should operate under that assumption. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still have them to this day. Oh yeah, yeah. Just because I, I know, know you do. So. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't. Jared, what does that mean? Come uh, on. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, yeah. book number two. Book number two, I read, and this is not in the order that I read them. This is in the order that I would read them now. Oh. Okay. So this one I read much later on in my career, and I'm actually rereading it again right now mm -hmm. for our book club. Mm -hmm. I listened to it again, and now I'm reading it again because mm -hmm. it's one of the best books I've ever read. Mm -hmm. And if I would have read it sooner, I would have been so much better off. Yeah, and you that, read it first like a, a year ago almost. I read it first like two years ago, mm -hmm. almost when it first came out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's Alex Hormozzi's 100 Million Offer, mm -hmm. which... At the time, like most people who are going to read that book, if you're a plumbing business owner, you're going to have a hard time like totally relating it to your plumbing business, but it's going to do a couple things for you that are going to be key for you growing your business. And then you're going to keep it in mind mm. the entire time you grow your business and you're going to keep going back to it because mm. you're going to be like, I remember that in this book. Mm -hmm. You're going to go back to it. Mm -hmm. So this is one that you absolutely need to get the paperback yeah, or the hardcover or whatever, the, yeah. the physical copy. Mm -hmm. um, Science of Getting Rich, you can listen to. Mm -hmm. It's a great listen. The dude has the dude who reads it mm -hmm. has the coolest voice on the planet, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Super easy listen. Mm -hmm. Hunter Man Offer, you can read it. You can listen to it and get the high-level information, but then you need to go back and get a copy of it. Go through the... Like, he has, like, pictures in there and... Diagrams. illustrations and he's diagrams. A, he's a visual guy. Yeah. Which I am too, so maybe that's why I like it so much. Yeah. But basically what this book did, so I kind of, you know, our business was doing, had done, we, we were real close to doing our first $5 million year when I read this book. And we, we were having rising ad costs, mm -hmm. so rising pay-per-click costs. It was kind of happening across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, you know, COVID was kind of starting to get over. Um, so work was kind of slowing down. There was a ton of people in this space. Mm. So a ton of people bidding on keywords. Um, and we had just started our business and we relied on like pretty much just like lead flow mm -hmm. and our branding wasn't that strong yet. <clears throat> and so I read hundred million offer and, and the whole idea, there was two ideas in there that really. Wait, real quick. Why did you choose to read it? Dude, I don't know. Like what brought it across your screen? Because Alex Ramosi, he's in the entrepreneurial space, he's in the business space, but like, I don't know. See an ad on YouTube or something? I, or? You know, I was obsessed with making my plumbing business better. Mm. Mm. I was 100% obsessed with like mm -hmm. making it as good as it could possibly be. And right. I'm still, we're still obsessed about it to this day mm -hmm. um, because I, I, I was not going to fail, right? <laughs> I couldn't bear the yeah. thought of it failing, me having tried it, mm. and everybody going, "That's right, Jared failed." Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Jared's was, key motivational factor of there was no way on planet Earth yeah. that that was going to happen. Yeah, and so I did whatever it took to make damn sure that that did not happen, right? And so when I saw the book, 
I think I had started watching some Hormozy stuff, and he and and he had some really good like mm. just business knowledge, mm-hmm. and so I thought I'm gonna get his book. Right. And so the book is like how to craft an offer so good that people feel stupid saying no, yeah. right? But the and it, and it doesn't really apply to your plumbing business when you first read it, mm. but when you read it and you think about it, it totally does. There's two things in there. Number one, he talks about business. And he basically says in the book, like, the whole point of business is to make money. Mm. And the goal should be to offer a product at the cheapest price possible and then sell it at the highest price possible. Mm. And the way that you do that is that you add value. And that's Ah. really what, like, changed my world was this idea of, like, looking at business as I'm providing this person with a bunch of value. And in return, Mm. they're giving me money for the value that I've added to them. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And so the more value we can give them, the more we can charge for our service, right? right? And so we can separate that gap between what it costs us to provide that service Mm -hmm. and how much money we make off of that service. Mm -hmm. So you can increase your margin, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and that's fine and dandy for like physical product, online product, that kind of stuff. But for a service that's already super expensive to offer to the community, you like absolutely have to stack on as much value as possible. Oh, yeah, because the problem isn't, oh, I can offer this for really cheap, and then if I add on these value accenting features, I can up the price. The plumbing business problem is this is expensive as I'll get out. I have to make it super valuable. Yeah, or or else the customer's not gonna buy it, I'm not gonna buy it, the business owner, my guys aren't gonna buy it, that's just, there's no way to make this sucker go. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so he goes through in that book exactly how to stack on value in your Mm -hmm. business. And one of the things that changed the way that I think about this, like we already had our trucks wrapped, we already had guys in uniform, we already had really good employees who were super nice. Sure, that kind of standard stuff, right? We were already, yeah, giving upfront pricing, flat Mm -hmm. rate pricing, we were on service Titan, we're Mm -hmm. texting our customers, Mm -hmm. we've got CSRs answering the phones, they're super friendly, like we're trying to do a good job on all that front, adding as much value to the customer, right? Mm -hmm. The thing about that book that changed the way I think is that you can add on perceived value, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With things that you're already doing. Yes. So we already answer the phone, right? Mm -hmm. But if I go tell the community, hey, call us because we always answer our phone. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I have just raised the perceived value Mm -hmm. in that consumer's mind just by telling them something I'm already doing. Right. Right. So like we give our guys really good pay, Mm -hmm. paid time off. They've got a 401k. They've got pension plans. They've got health care. I was already doing that stuff. I'm already paying that expense. But then I can go preach it out to the community, and then I raise the perceived value of my company. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, when I'm spending my money with that company, I'm not just getting plumbing done. I'm actually supporting somebody's family, right? right. Yeah, yeah, Which raises the value of your company because mm-hmm. they like to support families, mm-hmm. right? And that was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. So we launched like mad amounts of social media campaigns mm-hmm. around all of the value that we're already bringing to the marketplace, right? right? Mm-hmm. And our like our our positioning in the marketplace changed from just another plumbing and heating company mm-hmm. to you know a plumbing and heating company that provides an exceptional service, mm. always answers their phone, right? Takes care of their employees, mm-hmm. offers a really good warranty, and doesn't leave you hanging, mm-hmm. right? 
and who's going to do the best quality work. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden what we did is now we're in a market all by ourselves. Sure. Because nobody else can be in that market. Mm -hmm. Even if they're offering those services, they're just not preaching it out to the community. Yeah, they haven't thought about that. So they're not in the same market as us. So that allows us then to go charge the prices that we have to charge mm -hmm. in order to stay in business and make a profit, mm. right? Yeah, that's really good because I'll have conversations <coughs> with guys and they're saying like, we're already doing all the things that you're suggesting. Yeah. So what can you offer that is going to make this any more valuable? Mm -hmm. And like, there's always a couple like mm, procedural things that can change, right? Like even if guys aren't on service Titan yet, things like that, like, oh, when you change that, that's adding value to the customer. Yep. But even you still get a bunch of guys who are like, I'm doing all that. Yeah. Like, so what can I do differently? But then what you're saying is like, yeah, but are, are you telling everybody that you're doing it? Yeah. Like, are you, are you, yeah, really just preaching that like, hey man, like this is what we're actually doing. Because mm -hmm. a lot of guys I think are just silent about it because it's like, oh yeah, we're plumbers, we do the thing and we got the booties. People are like, oh, I didn't know that. I had no yep. idea you rolled out the carpet. Yeah. So if you go to like our my company's website, there's a video on there. And we ran that video. We still run it as an ad to this day, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And it's on the website. Like, hey, welcome to Prospector Plumbing and Heating. Mm -hmm. This is what we're all about. And it paints this picture of we're not your average plumbing company. Right. We're a whole different animal. Mm -hmm. And when you support us, you're supporting something different. Mm. And that change like the change in the way we we showed ourselves to the community and the change in the way the community perceived us just flipped our business around. Mm. So we were, you know, we were they were commoditizing us beforehand. Right. And then now we're no longer a commodity. Like mm. it's not people don't hire us because we're the cheapest. Right. Right. Um they're hiring us because they believe in what we do. Mm -hmm. Huge difference, mm -hmm. right? One way, like commodity, if everybody has the same service, mm -hmm. then obviously the cheapest one's the most valuable, right? Right. But if you're the only one that offers this service, you're the only one that has this value, that, and nobody else does, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you can charge whatever you want. Right. Because nobody else can compete with you. Right. You have no competition, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's where people need to live. Mm. And you totally can. And even like, like there's people who will say, well, what if, you know, there's 10 other companies around me doing the same thing? Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's like, cool. Then you're, at least you're only in a competition with 10 people right. versus being in a competition with the hundreds or thousands of plumbers sure. that are one truck chucking it that mm -hmm. aren't doing that stuff. Right. 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 At least you're getting in a smaller pool. Right. Right. But I would still try to differentiate myself from those guys. Yep. In some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. So that book sort of unlocked, <laughs> well, unlocked a new perspective. It's almost like a problem you didn't even know you had. Yeah. You didn't even consider it. No. It was, so it's hard to imagine, like, if you had not read that book, how you would be perceiving your service in this day, or if you'd even be where you're at right now. That's one of those books that I read just in the nick of time, I yeah. feel like. Because mm -hmm. um, I don't think, because at that time we had rising ad costs, right? Sure. And we had, we were getting lots of one-star reviews because we were really expensive, Right. right? And it was, I shouldn't say lots, but we were getting more than what we would normally get, right? right? And and it was honestly because we were being commoditized. Mm -hmm. We weren't we weren't special in any way. Yeah. We didn't do anything. You're only special because you're expensive compared to the competition. Exactly, right? And so we had to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace. 
And what that did is like now we get 99% five-star reviews. We rarely get a one-star. Mm-hmm. Um, we attract a better customer, right? Yeah. Now we yeah. have a much better like customer to business fit. Yeah. Because now we have these people that are seeking out supporting this business that does yeah. all this stuff versus just somebody wanting their stuff done, mm-hmm. right? Who doesn't necessarily value that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, our ad costs went down. So our mm-hmm. pay-per-click, our, you know, GLSA, those kind of stuff, mm-hmm. our pay-per-click costs cut in half. Wow. Took about a year mm-hmm. of pushing that message out to the community, mm-hmm. but pay-per-click costs cut in half. Mm-hmm. So we go from spending 40 grand a month to 20 grand a month. Mm-hmm. Huge. Right. That's a ton of money. Right. Saved on advertising. Mm-hmm just by spending a little bit of money and preaching a different message out to the right. community. Right? About the stuff that you're already doing. About the stuff that we were already doing, for the most mm, part, right? Sure. So yeah, so that book was super pivotal. I feel like it came just in the nick of time yeah. and completely flipped our business around. Hmm. Um, and I would recommend you read it now so that you can understand those concepts now right? so that when you do start doing these things, you realize... Oh, I'm adding value to the customer. Yeah, yeah. That could be one of those books where like you read it and the actionables aren't super obvious in the mm-hmm. moment, but then they reveal themselves as you're like, hey, wait a second. Like yeah. you said, like, oh, let me go back to that book because this, I think I need this now. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like like the context you're talking about is very similar to our current context where it's yep. like ad costs are up. So you have yeah. to, how do you mm, bring ad costs down? Yeah. And for a lot of these guys, you know, they'll... When they read that book, there's you, when you get towards the tail end, he talks about writing down the problems that your customer has, right? And then writing down what the solution that you have to that problem. Sure. And so, and I, I did this, and it really helps you to realize like mm-hmm. what the customer actually cares about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when you're going through this, you might think, okay, problem, customer has their plumbing's broken. Right. Right. This is where most people stop. Right. I fix plumbing, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. So the only value you offer is you fix their plumbing. But really, when a customer wakes up and their plumbing's broken, like they have a lot more problems. Mm-hmm. Especially if you think about when they deal with a plumbing company, mm-hmm. like what are their problems? So if you go look at companies' reviews and you just go scroll through one star reviews and start to see like what are the problems when they're dealing with a company? Mm-hmm. They didn't answer their phone. They didn't show up when they said they'd show up. Right. They had to reschedule me. Um, There's no communication. There was no communication. Paying the bill was a pain in the ass. I had to wait three months for a bill to come, mm-hmm. and then I had to mail it back in, right? Or mm-hmm. they sent me to collections after they sent me a bill in my email that I didn't see because right. it was in my email, and it was right. two weeks after the service, right? Mm-hmm. They couldn't get to me for two weeks. Right. Like, we just listed a huge bunch of problems. Mm-hmm. And if you can solve those problems... Like run your business in a way that solves those problems for them. Right. All of a sudden, you have built a ton of value into the customer. Right. Right. So it really helps you to like understand what the actual value mm-hmm. is that you're bringing to the marketplace, mm-hmm. and that your value is so much different than the guys who were just fixing plumbing problems. Right. Yeah. yeah. Especially once you start telling people that those are the problems you solve. Because chances yeah. are, if you have a bad experience with a plumbing company, you're going to remember that. But then when you see this plumbing company promises, oh, no, we don't do it that way. Yeah. Like, we're, we'll be there same day. We don't give you surprise bills. We give you the price up front. Yeah. And you're yes. like, oh, dang. We've actually got two people on staff that actually answer the phone. 
Yeah. Oh, dang. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Good book. Everybody should read it. 100 million offer. Be interesting to hear your um, second or third read through insights when we get to it and we get to book club. Yeah. You kind of got, yeah. I'm thinking of it in a whole di- different light now, mm-hmm. which is cool because I have more business lenses to think through it. Yeah. Which yep. is cool. And you have different offers that you're considering it through as well. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Um, let's see. Next book was Raving Fans. That was an excellent book. Um, and I'd probably read, you could read this in any, you could read Raving Fans before 100 million offer or, or vice versa. Sure. But uh, good book. And the whole idea is that you don't just want to get customers, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You want to create a customer that's like, holy crap, these guys are amazing. Hey, neighbor, you have to use these guys. Yeah. Hey, you have to use these guys because they're freaking amazing, mm-hmm. right? Hey, Google, these guys are freaking amazing, five stars, right? So rather than just being a normal business where you get a customer and you serve their need, similar to 100 million offer, like instead of just going there and just fixing their plumbing problem, mm. think about how you can make them go, holy crap, <laughs> these guys are rad. Yeah. Like what can you add on? What can you include in your service where it's just out of this world exceptional mm-hmm. so that you no longer have customers, you have raving fans, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a cool book because and it helped me out a lot because when you're growing a business, you have all of these different services you can offer, right? And it becomes, if you try to offer too many services at once sure. in the beginning, you become diluted, yeah. right? Yeah. It becomes really hard to do one thing really, really well. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise of the book is like, hey, instead of trying to do all of this stuff and then only doing it half-ass, mm. how about we do one thing and we do it so good that the customers are like, if I need that one thing done, mm-hmm. I'm going to that company, mm-hmm. right? And so they told this story of this grocery store owner and the grocery store sold grocery store stuff, but then there was a bunch of stuff they just didn't sell mm-hmm. that norm- normal grocery stores would go to, mm-hmm. right? Because those things were hard to deliver on. Yeah. And so this grocery store was known for its like exceptional customer service. Sure. And customers were willing to go to two grocery stores to get everything they needed just because this one grocery store was so awesome yeah, that they went and bought whatever groceries they could at that grocery Interesting. store, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so in my plumbing business, it's like the same thing. So I remember when I was reading this book, it was like, you know, there was a huge need for, you know, we do a lot of heating, right? Right. And so our bread and butter is, we do a lot of plumbing, but probably 50% of our work is just heating maintenance. Mm. So we go and we maintain the heating, we repair the heating units, mm-hmm. we repair their hydronic heating, um, and then we can go install hydronic heating as well. Right. And at the time, there was, and there still is, there's a lot of money in replacing hydronic heating. Mm-hmm. And you can, and I was thinking about like restructuring the way I attack that work so that I could go get more of it. Mm-hmm. When I read Raving Fans, I was like, you know what? I need to be really, really, really good at one thing. Mm. Maintenance. Mm. I need to be really good at maintaining things, mm-hmm. and I'll worry about the install stuff later. Right. 
And so to this day, we still don't do a ton of install stuff mm -hmm. because it's just, it's a harder thing to do well mm. in your business. And so we do it, when we do it, we do it really well, but we charge a ton of money for it. Sure. Because that allows us to be able to go do it real well, right? Yeah, on par with like the other services that you've got going that you do really well because right. you focused on them. Yes, but mm -hmm. because it's already an expensive service mm -hmm. and then we're just far above anybody else in the marketplace, sure. we don't get a ton of it, mm -hmm. which is fine. Yeah. Um, and I could restructure it to where we get more of it mm -hmm. and we do more of it, but it's a really hard thing to go do really, really well. Right. And so we stick with our main thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of the let your main thing be your main thing. Right. And do that main thing so dang good mm -hmm. that everybody's willing to, like we have people that use us for their maintenance and they'll go call somebody else to go install their new system, but then they'll call us to come maintain it. Yeah. Right. Mm. Because we're so dang good at maintaining it. Right. And then usually we have to come in and, do a bunch of repairs to a brand new system because <laughs> it's somebody yeah, installed it's hard wrong. To put it, it's yeah. hard to put in a system really well, especially if you're not going to be charging as much as you yes. would to do it. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, good book, Raving Fans. It's a it's a must read. Yeah, that kind of comes into the concept of like saying no to certain things. Yeah, totally. Where if you say yes to oh we can do everything, then yep. you're only going to be able to do everything okay. Yep. Where if you say no to doing certain things because you can really focus on that main thing, yep. and your way of saying no isn't no. It's just, yeah, I mean, we'll do it, but it's going to be really pricey. It's going to be a gazillion dollars. Yeah, and then yep. occasionally you guys get that work. Yep. And you make money on it. Yep. But it's not like the thing that you're super passionate about. Nope. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you read that book and then it just gave you the lens to, like, focus on that. Because, again, like, had you not read that book, you might be tempted to go towards the quote-unquote higher ticket things because there's quote-unquote yep. more money in it. Yeah, we could have, but... And the problem with those higher ticket items is they take longer. Yeah. You have to bid more of them to get yeah. more of them. And so... And people don't... Not everybody wants to pay, like, a, a estimate fee. They're usually getting multiple estimates. Right. So we would have to restructure the way we go about it. And... If we went about it and went and did more of that, it would actually affect our ability to do maintenance very well. Yes. Because now we would have scheduling issues. Yep. We would have all this other stuff, mm -hmm. right? So instead, we focus on the maintenance. Right. We do the maintenance really, really well. Mm -hmm. And it makes us a ton of money. Yeah, because then... Let's see, did you read that one after 100 million offers or before? No, long before. Okay, so you read that one long before. Yes, I read that book very pretty early in my business. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it like if you're just starting out, it's a good one to read for sure. Did you, because I know that you were focusing on your business and sort of like the the three main pain points, essentially like of the mm, plumbing customer, mm -hmm. like same day service, yep. like quality work, yep. and then great customer service. Yep. Like, did you sort of view your plumbing company through those three avenues before you read Hundred Million Offers and before you read? Yeah, I knew like, okay, we get like we got to be different. We got to yeah. get there quick. Yeah, we got to answer our phone and we got to do good work. Yeah, that's really what my main focus yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, okay. To begin with, mm -hmm. like we have to have qualified people who can do good work. We have to have enough people to actually answer the phone because mm -hmm. most businesses in my area were it was still the guy out in the field answering the phone. Sure. Even if he had six employees, he was still answering the phone. Yeah, uh -huh. just because he wasn't charging enough to actually pay mm -hmm. somebody to answer the phone, and he didn't—he didn't understand the value that that brings. Exactly. Mm -hmm. He was like, "Oh, I'm busy. I'll let it go to voicemail." Yeah, sure. But from the customer standpoint, mm -hmm. it's like, call this person, and I need this thing fixed, 
and he doesn't answer, I'm going to call somebody else, mm -hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. And so just by thinking about it from the customer's standpoint of, mm. okay, we actually got to answer our phone. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, you can go look at reviews and you can find out most of the problems. Yeah. And then you can structure your business to solve those problems and you'll be pff, miles ahead of everybody else. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it's wild. Mm -hmm. So raving fans, and then probably the next one is the E-Myth. Mm -hmm. And I would read the E-Myth Revisited. This one's a really good listen. Raving fans, you can listen to. The E-Myth Revisited, you can listen to. There's an E-Myth for contractors or for HVAC contractors mm. that was, let's see, who's who's that guy? The guy who owns Gettle. What's his name? I can't remember. <laughs> Dude. Can't remember. Ken Goodrich. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad. I got you. You're no, I'm smart, you. dude. I'm super smart. <laughs> You're catching on fast. Man, faster than you know. So Ken Goodrich wrote the E-Myth for HVAC contractors. It's a good read. It's a little more boring. It's a little more relatable to the plumbing business, um, especially if you do some heating and stuff. But really, the, the E-Myth revisited, the original one, man, that mm. book just like, it's like... They knew me and they wrote the book for me. Mm -hmm. And I think most people, like anybody who's out in a truck, driving around, or even has a couple of employees and you haven't read this book, it's you're gonna read it or you're gonna listen to it and you're gonna feel like they wrote this book for you. Mm -hmm. Even though it's about a lady who bakes pies, mm -hmm. you're gonna be like, holy crap. Like, how did they know? How did they know that I was struggling with all this stuff, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Super good book by Michael Gerber. And it's basically about a lady who makes pies. Right. And she she makes pies at home really well. And everybody's like, hey, you should go start a pie baking business. Of course. Just like everybody, you're a really good plumber. And they're like, you should start your own plumbing business. Yeah. yeah. So much freedom, so much money. I'll have tons of freedom and tons of money. And right now I'm just making my boss all the money. Mm -hmm. I could be making that money and I can have more freedom. Mm -hmm. And so this pie lady, she she's like, yeah, I make really good pies. It'd be a shame to not like, Sure. Have everybody eat these pies, yeah. right? And so she starts a business making pies. And in the beginning, it's all just fine and dandy. Mm -hmm. She's selling pies. But then, like, word starts to get out that her mm -hmm. pies are good. And then she finds herself just constantly having to make pies and work on pies. And mm. now she's having to get, like, more equipment. And now she's having to get help. And she's not organized. And she doesn't have systems for her business. And... Mm -hmm she starts to hate making pies and she starts to realize that I think she meets somebody in the book who helps guide her through this, but she starts to realize that the business is not about making pies. Mm -hmm. It's about business. Mm. And that if she loves making pies, mm -hmm. she needs to structure her business in a way to where the business runs itself and supplies her with the time to go make pies. If she wants to make <laughs> yeah. pies. Yeah. Right? That's what she wants to do. Yeah. And so she ends up, you know, creating a successful like pie company chain, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's very successful by systemizing her business, right. by creating a, a repeatable process for mm -hmm. everything in her business. Mm -hmm. And so this is a good one if you're like thinking about, you know, maybe you've got, like in the beginning stages, it'll hit you right dead on. But then as you move into your plumbing business, there's going to be a time where you need to go create systems, sure. right? So typically like... and. You know, a lot software will create a lot of systems for you. Yeah. And so in the beginning, usually when you get on like a software like Service Titan, mm -hmm. 
it's good enough until a point. Sure. And then you really need to go in and create standard operating procedures mm -hmm. um, where you make processes mm -hmm. and policies right. for how stuff gets done at your business. Mm -hmm. So how your service is actually performed, right? Mm -hmm. How we answer the phone, call scripts, and all that kind of stuff. Right. So this book will kind of help you. It's not going to help you write those systems, but it's going to help you see the value of those systems. Sure. And it's going to teach you how to think about your business in a different way. Yeah. So rather than this love of plumbing or a love of the trades, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what business you're in. At the end of the day, it's a business, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And so it needs to run like a business. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway from the book, mm -hmm. which is a good book. It's a good listen. When you, like, where were you in your plumbing business when you read the book or listened to the book? I listened to this one right when I started up again. Okay, for the successful time? Yes. Yeah, so is this where you I'd sort read of... it again. I'd read it twice. Yeah. And I remember the first time I read it, I didn't really have the context. Sure. What, context, the... what context were you missing? So I kind of, just the experience of being in business. Mm. So, like, I started my business twice and then shut it down mm -hmm. because... I was like, this freaking sucks. Yeah, I'm working a ton, not making any money. Yeah, and then the, or yeah, or I'd work the same and made less money, right? <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, worse. this sucks. Yeah. But then I got tired of working for somebody else, so I'd go back into business, right? <laughs> and then do it again and be like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's why this sucks. Mm -hmm. I forgot about this. Yeah. <laughs> so I read the E Myth like the first time I went into business because I don't know who told me to read it or I saw it somewhere or something when I first started the very first time. And I was like, this is a cool idea. But I didn't really have the context. Yeah. The second time uh, I read it, when I went into business for the third time, it was like, poof, yeah, like, sure, hit me in the gut, right mm -hmm. in the. And did you read it because you remembered like this book could help me right now, and you went back to it? Is that why you reread it? I don't know. Mm -hmm. No idea. You gotta write these things down, man. No clue. I don't write stuff down, <laughs> except in your journal. Mm. Good point. But See, yeah, that was. It was a, it was a good one. So it was good timing too. So it gave you sort of a vision of a company that has <laughs> to run like a business because the it, result of that is something that will it, allow you to actually do the thing you want to do. Yes, this vision, this book really gave me the vision of like, mm. there's a way to run business mm. that actually works, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, like it gave yeah. me the idea. It gave me the initial idea of. There's plumbing huh. businesses out mm. there that run and make money and the owner isn't necessarily out there in the truck working. Mm -hmm. Just like this lady made a pie business that mm -hmm. she's not out there actually making pies, right? Right. And now she gets to actually do what she likes mm -hmm. and she makes good money. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when I was like, you know what? There's got to be somebody I can go find. There's got to be systems. There's got to be a way of doing this. I just need to go learn what that way is, mm -hmm. right? And then implement those things in my business. Right. It was that first realization of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's kind of cool because like, we're pigginess of pigs. <laughs> when the marvelous pigginess of pigs is talking the about marvelous like, pigness of pigs. Yes, yeah. whatever. Where the world operates in a set of systems and if done well, can operate really, really well. Yeah. Like when you tend your garden properly, it will can flourish for you. Yeah. And so now you read the e-myth and you're like, oh, wait a second, business is the similar way. Mm -hmm. There's a way that you can set these suckers up that if tended properly, mm -hmm. they can yield a result that is, well, expected, but then beyond what you're currently expecting. Yes. 
Um, result of abundance. Really. Yeah. And so it's like, it's cool because there's both those ideas are in agreement. Yep. And sometimes maybe we get into business and we think that this, this is just, this just sucks. There's no way that this can work. Yep. Um, and I can see that if you pick a crappy product and like you're, you're doing a dumb business that yep. won't work, you know, but if you're doing like, if you're doing plumbing, you're doing a business that's necessary. And yeah, so it is going to work. It's just and it's a proven you, model. Yeah, it's a yeah. proven model time and time again. And so yeah. you're just missing the formula. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And so you were like, oh wait, there's a way that this can actually work. Yep. And so it keyed you into that idea. Yeah. And you can see how all these books are starting to stack up in my head. Yes. And now it's all starting to make sense. And it's bringing mm-hmm. me to this point where mm-hmm. I can actually I actually mm-hmm. understand and know that I can have a successful plumbing business. Whereas before sure. I had no idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, good book. Excellent book. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorites. Like now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. I'm just like reminiscing in my yeah, head about yeah, the story. Yeah. You're like, man, that's a good one. It was. It was a good book. And it's mm-hmm. told in a story kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. Same with Raving Fans. Very story-based book. Yeah. Very easy read. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a reader. So was it a are is it like a fictional story that's created to prove a point? Or was it like a nonfiction, like she actually had a pie company? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like she actually had a pie company mm-hmm. and Michael E. Gerber actually helped her out. It was mm-hmm. a true story, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, because that goes into a <coughs> conversation that we have all the time where it's like, what's the value of a fictional story? Yeah. But if you just gave me two examples of two fictional stories that you got a ton of value from. So Raving Fans was definitely a fictional story mm-hmm. where I believe there's like a ghost. It's like, and he visits this person in the middle yeah. of the night and pulls him in his bus and takes him to all these businesses, right? <laughs> like, like Harry Potter. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's like Harry Potter business version. Did my yeah. guy. My guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Not a true story, obviously, because yeah. there's ghosts and a flying bus and all that stuff. Okay. But I'll write it down. Jared admitted that he thinks fictional stories <laughs> are valuable. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Got him. Okay. Cool. Okay, I'll give you that one. Yes. Only because we're on a podcast. You can't argue with me viciously in the moment. No. Yeah, if we weren't on podcast, I'd be arguing mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, you'd be like, dude, you're so full of crap. Dude, you're making me thirsty over there drinking. I know. I mean, hydrate or dihydrate, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hydrate or dihydrate? Okay. <laughs> one of my mantras. <laughs> it's one of your mantras. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> every day. Uh, you're a dork. <laughs> oh, man. All right. The next book I read, and I didn't read this book until I got guys. So we kind of, we mm-hmm. we grew real fast. We went, let's see, how did that work? I worked for like three months, mm-hmm. saved away like 80 grand. Mm-hmm. I hired your wife as my CSR. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Then like January of some year, I can't ever remember what year it was. I'd have to think about it. Hired my first technician or plumber, whatever you want to call them. Um, Then by like April, we had four guys. So we pretty much hired a guy every month for a month, for four months. Yeah. That's when I was able to finally pull out of the truck and then start being the general manager. But I was horrible at being a manager because mm. I'd and I'd manage people in the past. Like I'd sure you were foreman and junk, and that I was kind a of foreman thing. on construction projects. Mm. But that was always so much easier because 
it was just like it, it wasn't really about managing guys so much as just like here's the work we're doing here's the drawing here's mm-hmm. the parts go install it yeah right i didn't necessarily have to think about running a company managing people mm-hmm. making sure that i'm getting the most out of these people yeah making sure that the systems are in place for them to do that i couldn't be there on the job site with them mm-hmm. to make sure everything's going good mm-hmm. and so when i jumped into that role i was like crap i don't know how to manage people right? yeah yeah uh, well because on the job site you didn't have this incentive of retaining those people because no, you're like, hey, man, just go do your job. If you don't do your job, our boss is going to can your ass. So like, I'd can his ass. Yeah, so right? you got to get to work. Yeah. Like, you didn't have any incentive with that because then you could, you knew that somebody was going <laughs> to get you another guy from somewhere because yep. there's a vested interest above you yep. that wants the job done. Yep. And so, I mean, I think that's helpful because if guys are like, oh, yeah, you know, I could, I've managed all these guys before. Yeah. So I'm going to start my own business and I'm just going to be a rock star because I did it before. It's a different story in the service world. Yeah. Especially when it's hard to get guys. Yeah. So, like in the new construction world, I could go get a new guy. Yeah. It wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. Um, in the service world, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. I think it requires more skill on the service technician's end because mm-hmm. he not only has to like know the, work he needs to know how to deal with customers how to be friendly he needs to look halfway put together um and he needs to be able to have those interactions with people mm-hmm. and build people and do those uncomfortable things right mm-hmm. it's a whole nother level of skill set so it's a harder individual to get somebody who's good at it mm-hmm. right and so no like you're now all of a sudden i'm managing people in in a different environment and I pulled into the office, which is weird, yeah. right? Yeah. And is that the first time you were ever in an office, like that kind of setting? Yeah, I'd been in the, like I'd gone into an office before, like in the wintertime to like do material takeoffs for the jobs and stuff that sure. I was going to be in charge of in the summer. But yeah, that's pretty much the first time I've been like full in the office, mm-hmm. working on software, on the computer, mm-hmm. doing spreadsheets and Word documents mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So it's this whole new like world to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I need to learn how to become a manager. Is that was that your literal thought? Yes. Because like, you sit down, and you're like, dang, I need to learn this. Yep. I was like, I have the general manager hat on. I need to learn how to do this properly. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to learn how to tell you, because my guys, I would see my guys do stuff that I didn't like. Yeah. And I knew that I couldn't go to them and be like, hey, you screwed this up. Mm-hmm. Like, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Cause I knew it wasn't going to work very well, but I didn't know how to like get them to do the things that I want them to do mm. without pissing them off. <laughs> and so, cause, cause it's really easy to piss off a plumber cause they're already pissed off. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen brother. Amen. Yeah. Um, so I read a book called the one minute manager mm-hmm. and I picked it cause it was short and I'm like, you know what? That's, this sounds like it's going to fit plumbing business. Well, yeah. The one minute manager sounds like it's going to be a nice, easy, mm-hmm quick management system Mm -hmm. and it was good like it helped me out a lot Mm -hmm. and it was the whole gist of the book is it's another fiction just so you know Mm -hmm. yes and the whole thing yeah it's a story he tells a story Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of like real life principles in the story Mm -hmm. and the whole gist of the book and you should still i'm going to tell the gist of the book but that like if you're listening to this you should still read it because of course because you'll get way more out of it that way the whole gist of the story is like when you you need to set expectations up front, number mm-hmm. one, like when somebody comes into your company, you have to tell them like, hey, mm. these are your job duties. Mm-hmm. This is what we expect of you. Mm-hmm. 
and this is how we're going to measure your performance. Mm -hmm. That way they have an idea of like what's expected of them, what their job duties are, and how they're going to be measured. Mm -hmm. That way they can go, okay, if I'm being measured on these things, then I have to perform in these areas, right? right? And then when somebody doesn't perform well, you pull them aside. Mm -hmm. Fire them. And fire their ass. Right there. You're right after you, there. After you yell at them, right? <clears throat> no. Oh. You pull them aside and you're like, hey, you didn't do this one thing. I want you to work on that. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. When they do something good in front of everybody, mm-hmm. you go, hey, man, you did this one thing. It was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Good job. Do more of that. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole basis of the book. Mm-hmm. And we still do this to this day in my company. Mm-hmm. The only diff- the only change we've made, the only thing we do differently, when we pull them aside, instead of just saying, you sucked at this, we say, hey, normally, you're really good in this area, right. but this one time, this happened. Right. What happened there? Was mm-hmm. it this, this, or this? Sure. And we give them some information as an out. Right. Like, is it something that we did? Is there a problem with this? Mm-hmm. Or is it just a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. And then we get their feedback. They don't feel attacked that way. And then we can move on with our day. Mm-hmm. But yet you still get the same point across to them of like, oh, I can't do that. Right. That's not that's not okay at this company. Right. Right. And so anytime we have something like that, we always pull them aside privately. And then every Monday morning, we've included in our in our Monday morning meeting agenda we find one thing from last week that somebody did well mm-hmm. and we call them out in front of everybody and say, Hey man, last week you did this. It was awesome. Everybody give homeboy hand. <laughs> we make everybody clap. <laughs> do you really make everybody clap? I do. I don't know if um, my general manager does anymore. I did that. Everybody would do it. So I thought it was really funny. Were they like begrudgingly like kind of like, oh. no, they thought it was stupid and yeah, silly, yeah, but so it was fun. Goof off a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's embar- it's more embarrassing for the person oh, you're calling 100%, out. Yeah. And so I think everybody liked to participate because it embarrasses the other person. Mm-hmm. Hey, you did a good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it like no, not only lets that person know that you actually appreciated yeah. the work that they Very put important. in, no matter how embarrassing that moment is, mm-hmm. um, it lets everybody else know, oh, this is what my boss expects of me. Yes. Like this is what a good job looks yeah. like. Oh, actually, people are doing that over there. I, maybe I should start doing that, right? right? Mm-hmm. So super effective if you can just consistently do that in your mm. business. Now, that helped me out quite a bit. Yeah, communicating expectations is huge. And I think it's yeah. something that, especially when you're getting into that manager standpoint, because mm-hmm. in your head, you know all the expectations. Yeah. Because you've just been living those expectations. Yeah, I do them every day. Yeah, right? so why would I... And, I've heard these things like, why do I got to tell, like at, at my last job, like, why do I got to tell you the same thing? Like, I always have this one pilot coming to me. He's <laughs> yeah. like, why do I always get to tell you and your guys the same thing every time? Every single every day. Every day you mess up on the same thing, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, I don't know what you want because yesterday you wanted left and today you want right. And yet you think that you want the same thing. Yep. So we can get in our heads thinking that we're very consistent in our yep. expectations. But it's only when we start to like actually put them down and then tell somebody and then if you have like, I guess if you have good rapport with your guys, they can be like, okay, Jared, I hear what you're saying, but yesterday you yelled at me for the opposite. <laughs> so like, what? Yeah. Are, what's actually expected of yeah. me? And then you got to be like, oh, well, let me think about that. How many places have you worked where you didn't have clear expectations 
of what was expected of you, what your job duties were, and how you were going to be measured? <laughs> um, uh, let's see, pro- probably all of them. <laughs> Every place I've ever worked, yeah. I never really knew like what it is yeah. that my boss wanted. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know. Mm-hmm. I was just guessing. I yeah. was doing the best I could mm-hmm. with the information I was given mm-hmm. or given, right? Mm-hmm. Now imagine if your boss would have come to you and went, hey, Joel, here's what we expect of you. Mm-hmm. Here's the job duties, right? And here's how we're going to measure your performance. You're mm. like, dang, that's easy. I can do yeah. that. Well, right? it gives you a path. You're like, oh, cool. So if I'm not there, I do these things. And exactly. This is how I can have a path to growth. Yep. And improvement, which I think, especially if you hire normal people, people want to get better at what they, they do. They, they want, want to, do a good to job. make you happy. They want to do a good job. Yep. They want to make more money. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, like, here's the roadmap to do so. Yep. And they're like, oh, dude, thanks. So after reading that book, that's when I first wrote my employee agreement. Mm. I wrote one just for my technicians. Mm-hmm. First one I ever wrote. Mm-hmm. And I did just that. It says, here's your primary goals. Mm-hmm. Here's your secondary goals. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're going to measure your performance on. Mm. And here's how you go about your job duties. Yeah. And then I had them all sign the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. We went over it on a meeting. So everybody was on the same page. Mm-hmm. This is what we're about at this company. This is how we do business. Mm. This is what makes us tick. This mm-hmm. is what makes you tick specifically. Mm. Sign here. Mm. And it was super cool because now everybody's on the same page. Everybody understands what's expected. Mm-hmm. Everybody understands how we're going to measure that. Mm. Everybody's rocking and rolling. Yeah. Right? Huge. <laughs> and then when you go back to those times where you pull them aside, hey, do you remember on your employee agreement where you signed this thing yeah. that said that you were going to strive to do this? Mm-hmm. We have. I haven't been seeing that from you. I need right. you to improve in this area, mm-hmm. right? It's part of what makes our company tick, right? So, yeah, and that's so like that's key right there because I've had experiences where, like, I'm like, man, this guy kind of sucks, and then like I'm like, okay, I kind of just want to like let him go and be done with it. Yeah. But then like mm, the other side of me is like, yeah, dude, but you haven't communicated him like anything to like get him on step except for yeah. just like daily. Hey, you should do this a little bit better, like kind of casual. Yep. And it's a lot easier if you can just pull them aside and be like, hey, man, like you're not like, let's look at this. And where do you think you stack up against what yeah. you agreed were the expectations? And then they sort of have to like think about it and be like, hey, man, well, let's get you to here. And it gives you so much more precedent that if that person continues to fail, you can be like, dude, we had a couple conversations and you're just mm-hmm. still not there. I just don't think this is the place for you. Yeah. If you have underperforming employees, mm-hmm. it's really not fair to them to like, can their ass Mm -hmm. for underperforming if you haven't dictated to them like what performing looks like (laughs) yeah right yeah and and don't just assume that well they should know yeah they have no idea no like they have a totally different idea of what performance looks like in their head versus Mm -hmm. your head right and what you Mm -hmm. have to do is let them know what's in your head yep what does it look like at your Mm -hmm. company Mm -hmm. right um i know like i think it's all too common especially in the plumbing industry like Mm -hmm. you get employees in and it's like these guys suck, and they can them. Yeah, they bring new people in, sure. and that costs you so much Dude. money. <laughs> yeah, it does. It costs you a ton of money to bring a new guy in, get him up to speed, mm-hmm. get him trained, get him out in the truck, get him going, only to find out he's worthless. Let's can him, mm-hmm. right? So instead, like if you can come in and give him a clear expectation, chances are he's going to do much better, right? And so we've like we had some guys that we were like, you know, we were thinking about canning, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the and you know the group of plumbing businesses I was around at the time, their whole moto was like, "Hey, if they suck, you can them. Get somebody else." Yeah. Yep. And if he sucks, you can him, you get somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, like, hey, man, it's really hard to get other people. This is probably going to stunt my growth if I'm just canning everybody. Yeah. Which it would have. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can get these guys to perform how I want them to perform mm-hmm. by giving them some training and some right. guidance and some mm-hmm. understanding of what we expect of them. And, it's, and it has worked out very, very well. Some yeah. of those guys that I maybe would have canned it, they were underperforming not really because of them. Mm-hmm. It was us. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to stick with it and stick with this person mm-hmm. and help guide them to be the technician we wanted them mm-hmm. to be. Have a little patience. Have a little patience. Mm-hmm. And now some of those guys are our best performing technicians. Yeah. They sell the most amount of work. They're mm-hmm. the easiest employees mm-hmm. to have around. Mm-hmm. And they do an excellent job for our company. Mm. And I almost let them go. Right. That would have been a huge mistake. Yeah. All because we really weren't fulfilling our end of the deal. Yeah. Of letting them know what it looks like to do a good job. Yeah. Training them on mm-hmm. that, holding them mm-hmm. accountable to that, helping them reach, mm-hmm. you know, good performance. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that you, you didn't implement that until you're in the general manager's seat. Because mm-hmm. I can, like, in my head, it's like, okay, well, like, I can hear maybe some guys thinking like, okay, well, I should have all that figured out day one before I hire a guy kind of thing. Yeah. Is there room to sort of just like, like we talked about kind of create a mess and then fix it later. Yeah. Could this be a thing where you're just like, dude, just come on, let's go. <laughs> and then I'm a big fly by the seat of your pants, mm. fake it till you make it. Sure. Get in the weeds and then figure it out. Yeah. In the beginning stages. Yes. Especially. Well, cause at because at that point, it's probably not really hindering your growth because it's like you're still out in the field billing. Yeah. You bring on a guy like, yo, man, just get out there and like do a good job and, and we'll talk about it. And you have no idea what is actually required at that point. <laughs> yeah, right? 100%. You, you have, have no idea how to like train the guy properly. No and like clue. You have no clue how to... You're figuring out just like he's figuring it out. Yep. And so you don't know. Mm. And you don't know until you know, and then you can go clean it up, right? Yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't focus on any of that until mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Get until the, I needed to. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The like in the beginning stages of your business, there's you have such little risk, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't know how to make good decisions. So the best thing you can do in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know how to make good decisions. You don't. <laughs> you, you don't have the reps of making decisions mm. in order to learn how to make what is a good decision and sure. what's a bad decision. Sure. Right, you don't have a track record of evidence one way or the other. Yeah, so you have no idea. So mm-hmm. the best thing you can do is make really fast decisions, mm-hmm. because you're like fifty fifty, right? Yeah, you might as well get like might as well start getting this, some uh, marks on the board. If you're asking, yeah, if you're asking yourself, should I do this? Then you should just go do it. Yeah, and then get that learning experience of mm-hmm. making a decision and going, okay, this was a good decision because of this. Mm-hmm. This is a bad decision because of this. Mm-hmm. Then the next time you can make a better decision, right? And you'll grow your business way faster that way. Right. You'll avoid the paralysis by analysis, yeah. right? Most people, they're like, should I, should I, should I, should I, should I, should mm-hmm. I? Six months down the road, they're like, should I, should I, should I? <laughs> and then finally they make a decision, right? Yeah. And so in a six-month time, they learn how to make one decision. Yeah. Versus if they just make a decision every day, they'll get much, six months down the road, they'll be really good at making decisions, right? Right. Just getting the reps in. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And you can do that because you have very little to risk. Yep. Like worst case scenario, you just go get in the van by yourself again right. and start and go bill out customers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
later on in your business mm. becomes a little more important right. to make good quality decisions mm -hmm. because you have way more at risk. Mm -hmm. So you need to, if you haven't developed the muscle of making good decisions all the way, you mm. need to slow down mm -hmm. um, and start making, learn how to make better decisions right. and go get the data and mm -hmm. think about mm -hmm. your decisions mm -hmm. and get feedback on your decisions before mm -hmm. you make these decisions because the implications get larger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The totally. risk is larger. Yeah. The risk is larger, but then also the long-term, I mean, the risk is losing out on the long-term reward in some sense, like, yeah. especially once you get into the, you're in the general manager seat now, because what you're doing when you're doing the one minute managing is you're building a culture. Mm -hmm. And that is the thing that is going to make your life so much easier so that you can actually live out the pie lady's dream of not of being able to just make pies all day. Yep. Um, cool. Yeah. And then like that just keeps going. The more, like the bigger mm -hmm. you get, like right now in my business to go make a decision that changed a bunch of stuff. Yeah. We think about it for a while. Yeah. Cause it affects a lot of people. It affects and there's, a lot of people. And if you, if you, un, if you roll it out, uh, inappropriately, then people are going to get pissed and yep. that's going to cause a dip in this. And yep. and the business is already successful. Yep, It's already spits out a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. So it's not costing me a ton of money not making this decision. Right. Like right now we're making little tweaks and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, a big decision that was changing, like we think about, like we just think about a lot of stuff a lot more <laughs> than, than we did before. You get lots of like, time to think. We're like, <laughs> before we make a decision, we're like, okay, how can we collect data? on this decision. Yeah. So how can we collect data that, that says one way or another? Mm -hmm. Like, what can we look at? We track it for a while, mm -hmm. and then we roll these things out much slower now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Um, yeah. The One Minute Manager was a good book. Um, the next book is Profit First for Contractors. Mm -hmm. And I actually read, there's two books. There's Profit First, and then there's Profit First for Contractors. Mm -hmm. Um, I read Profit First first, and I thought, this book is dumb. <laughs> it's, it's stupid. Why did you think it was dumb? Because I like the idea of it, but and basically the whole premise of the book is like, hey, rather than just having one bank account that all of your money goes into, so you go bill out a customer and swipe their card, and then it gets deposited in a bank account. And right. then that's the same bank account that you pay your expenses with, you right. pay your employees with, you mm -hmm. pay your bonuses with, you pay whatever with, right? Mm -hmm. Let's, it's almost like an envelope system for contractors. Yep, gotcha. And his idea is like, okay, let's put all of that into an account that's labeled income account. Mm -hmm. And then let's set up different accounts for the different parts of your business. Mm -hmm. So let's have an expense account. Let's have a profit account. Let's have a tax account. Let's have a owner comp account. Mm -hmm. Let's have a, I don't know, a bonus account or right. whatever, right? Mm -hmm. The different parts of your business. Mm -hmm. So you split your money up into different accounts. And so as the money comes into your income account, you allocate a certain percentage of that money to the different accounts. Mm -hmm. And I still do this to this day. But the original book was written for, it was not written for contractors. Mm -hmm. So the idea was that you would come put money, and the idea is you want to take a profit first to make yeah. sure that your company's profitable. Mm -hmm. And so it's a like the system is a really really good way to use your bank balance to gauge the health of your company. Sure. Right? Because Yeah, but actually see it not by just looking at a lump sum that tells you nothing. That tells you nothing, right? <laughs> because and the problem is because 
to get a good idea of your health with your PL, mm. you really need to look at a month, like yeah. minimum. Yeah, sure. Like look at a like it's better to look at I mean, you can look at like six months and a year and you get a much yeah. better idea, but a month is about the minimum you can look at. Mm-hmm. But you're not gonna have your P and L for the month, like till two weeks after the month is over. Yeah, so you gotta have and some so indicator. If, if you had a problem at the beginning of the month, you're not fixing it for another six weeks, <laughs> right? Uh, six weeks, that's, so a business can go down in 90 days. That's half the time, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So then you're making a change, hoping it works in the next six weeks, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a big enough problem. Mm-hmm. So developing a way to like get this instant look on the health of your business mm. is super important. Mm-hmm. So we kind of use this. This is our like second look. Yeah. So we track our hours sold. Mm-hmm. That gives us a good idea. Then we see our profit first accounts. We know we're being profitable. Then we go look at our P&L. Sure. We make sure all of them line up. And if something's wrong on the P&L, the hours sold report and the profit first accounts help us identify uh, where something is going wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's super critical. Um, the, what I didn't like about the book was the original book is it's like the basis is bring it into your income account, split it up between all of your other accounts and the remainder goes in your expenses. Mm. And then if, you don't have enough left over in your expenses. Your expenses are too high, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you need to cut expenses. Sure, because then what you would do in that scenario is pull from your profit account, pull from your tax account. Like you'd pull from these other accounts to cover expenses. Yes. Yeah. So that yeah. would indicate where so if means, you didn't have that system, you just see a bunch of money in your account and then it goes away and then you're like, cool. Cool. Where maybe, did it go? maybe cool. Yeah. And so now you know, like, oh, I'm actually not making a profit. My expenses uh, are too high. Yeah, because you suddenly drained your whole profit account to cover yep. your expenses. Yes. And so, but what I didn't like about the book is it's like, okay, go cut your expenses. Sure, yeah. How to, yeah, okay. And for most plumbers, they've, they're have they already cutting their expenses. Yeah. And they're still not seeing profit in their account. Yeah. So then they came out with profit first for contractors. So I decided to give it a reread because I liked the idea. Sure, yeah. But I didn't like the idea of trying to cut my expenses. Yeah, that being the solution to your... Profit problem. Yes. Um, and so reading this, the contractor one, he reframes it so much better. He's like, hey, for contractors, here's the deal. 99% of you guys are undercharging. Yeah, really So it's not actually that you need to cut expenses. It's huh. just that you need to charge more. Huh. So if you don't have enough money left over in your expense account, it's because you didn't make enough money on the job. Mm. And... So to me, I like that one a lot better. I can see that. Um, And the nice part about the contractor one is he actually helps you to come up with starting percentages to put Mm. into these separate accounts. Sure. Based on what he's seen for other contractors, Mm -hmm. which was nice. So once I read that book, I started using the Profit First Banking system. Mm. So you go to your bank, you set up multiple accounts, Mm -hmm. you have them labeled. It's You want a bank where you can get it for... You can get multiple accounts on one login. Yeah. So you can see all the accounts on one login. Mm-hmm. And you want to be allowed to transfer between accounts with no limit. Yeah, you don't want to hit that stupid, oh, you only do it six yeah. times a month. Psst. Yeah, and there's lots of banks that'll do it if your bank doesn't just go get a new bank. Yeah, but that's a good point. Like when you're looking for a bank for that, like yeah. if you know that, then you can be like, oh, cool, you're a good bank. That is going to suit my needs long term. Yes. Yep. And so <laughs> since then, we've done it since then. So I have a spreadsheet. My wife actually does the banking. Mm -hmm. We have a spreadsheet. She goes into the income account and she says, okay, there's $50,000 in there. She puts $50,000 in the spreadsheet and it tells her how much money to move Mm. into all the other accounts. Sure. 
which is nice. We do it a little differently though. We always keep our expense account at, we keep it at $100,000. Mm-hmm. So we keep it at what we know our business needs to cash flow. Sure. So our business typically takes about fifty, sixty thousand to cash flow, mm-hmm. and then that gives us a forty thousand dollar buffet. Cash flow buffer. per month. Per month. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we always and that, just, so that means that your expenses are sixty thousand per month ish. No, it means that we can see a dip of sixty thousand mm. dollars, but then it goes back up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Our expenses are far above sixty. Yeah. Gotcha. But we're bringing in enough, enough money to uh-huh. where. We only see a rise and fall mm-hmm. of about sixty k mm-hmm. is about gotcha. maximum. Right? And how did you how did you find that out? You just start to see it. Okay. When you do when you do it long enough, you start mm-hmm. to realize, oh, it takes me about sixty grand to cash flow. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. And so we leave a hundred grand in our expense account, mm-hmm. so that sometimes we'll log in and it'll be all the way down to forty. We'll just pop another sixty in. Yeah. Right? Gotcha. Um, and so, so we do that, and then we have accounts for owner comp, Mm -hmm. taxes, profit, and then some of the other like benefit programs that we have Mm -hmm. in our company. We'll make sure and set money aside for those. Mm -hmm. And so what's nice about this is as the profit account grows, we double check it and I go, okay, what's our actual profit margins this year? Um, What am I, or sorry, tax account grows. As the tax account grows, I double check and I go, okay, What's mm-hmm. our actual profits this year? I'm probably going to owe about this much on taxes. Mm-hmm. Cool, I got enough set aside. Mm-hmm. Um, as the profit account grows, I know that that's money that we can then spend back on the business if we sure. need to reinvest in the business. Mm-hmm. Or we can take that money and go buy other income-producing assets mm-hmm. or businesses or whatever. Mm-hmm. And same with the owner comp account. Mm-hmm. I know that that's money that I can then take and go use yeah. to invest elsewhere. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super nice because it takes it's just splits that money up. Yeah. I know I have enough money in. We also have a rainy day fund, mm-hmm. so I know I have enough money in the rainy day fund. I know I have enough money set aside, and it's I can go look really quickly mm-hmm. at a glance and see the health of my company mm. in that account. Mm. Super nice. When in your business did you deploy that system? Um, we started doing that. You know, we had a general manager. We had. Mm you know, six or seven guys, mm-hmm. it does. It really doesn't make sense to do it until you have mm. a good amount of cash flow. Gotcha. You know? So like you necessarily wouldn't recommend it for like one truck, Chuck, you're just starting out. No, no, definitely not. Mm. Because at that point, like you want to be taking all the money you make. Sure. And yeah, you want to yeah. dump it back in your business. Yeah. Because if you're holding, because essentially the system is holding things aside for the things that you know you're going to need it for. Yep. But then now you just have cash sitting there that's doing nothing for right. the whole year. Yep. You have this tax fund that's just chilling. Yep. Mm. And so, because in the beginning, like you want to take all the money you make, pay yourself as little as possible and dump the rest into your business. Yeah. That's how you're going to grow the fastest, right? Yeah. And the fastest growth is going to yield you yep. to be able to make more money quicker, like yep. actual money quicker. And you're going to be mm. buying trucks. You're going to be mm-hmm. buying depreciable assets. Mm-hmm. And you're likely, if you're growing fast enough, you're not going to owe taxes at the end of the mm-hmm. year. I mean, you can calculate it as a safety net, like go through every now and then be like, sure. I'm probably going to owe this much in taxes. Mm-hmm. So... Let me make sure I got this in my account. Yeah, but if you're right? growing, then you have assets. Yeah, just like you said. Yep. If you're growing, you got assets to depreciate. Yes. Yep. And you're likely going to knock out your taxes. Yeah. And if you don't know what that means, go talk to your tax guy. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a huge part of it, right? It is. It's huge. Like, mm-hmm. and it and you should be thinking about that. Like, if you're growing mm-hmm. and you want to grow more, mm-hmm. 
it could make a lot of sense to go buy more vehicles before the year's over to avoid paying a bunch of money in taxes yeah, yeah. for something that you're going to buy anyways. Yes. Right? So rather than giving your money to the government, you can use it to grow your business. Yeah. And that's like when we say becoming a real business owner, like we mean thinking about things like that. Yeah. That are outside the normal scope of like, I go get work, I do work, I find more work, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Yep. And that's like, that's when the business, it really needs you to work on the business instead of in it. Yeah. Because then that's the kind of stuff you end up doing. It's no longer tactical questions of like, what am I going to do today? It's like strategic questions of like, what am I going to do to make sure this sucker is here in a couple of months? Or yeah. Or yeah. Now it's like even further along. It's like, what am I going to do to make sure this is here five years down the road? Yeah. 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 That's really helpful. Cause I know even because we have some guys who do that in our course and they have profit first in their head and they're mm-hmm. doing that. And they're, I think they're hesitant to use the money they have set aside just yeah. because they understand the value of the profit first system, yep. but they're just not quite there yet to actually make it make sense for them. Yep. Yeah. That'd be a much, that'd be a later thing. Like when you start seeing money piling up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay. To make sh- like, or when you, when you have things that you need to make sure you have money allocated for. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. That kind of stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, next book I read was Built to Sell. Mm-hmm. This is another storybook, another another fiction. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it's it was a really good book. It was about it was about a guy who had a he he really had a a marketing agency of sorts. Um, and so he would design your logo, mm-hmm. then he would make your website, and then he would run your ads. And all this stuff, right? All these services that he would offer. And he went to go, you know, he was having a hard time running this business. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get it systemized. It took mm-hmm. all of his time. Mm-hmm. Cash flow is hard. And he went to go see one of his buddies who was a really wealthy dude who had an office upstairs in some cool building. Mm-hmm. And his buddy was, you know, basically got him to see that, hey, you need to build, you need to build your business in a way that it's systemizable so that it runs without you, so that you're selling this thing yeah. that's just running. Yeah. That anybody could come in mm. and buy, mm-hmm. and it still runs. Right. And it still produces money. Because mm-hmm. if you can do that, it'll be worth a lot of money. Yeah. Right? And this guy wanted to retire, and he couldn't, because the business he had wasn't sellable. So the idea is, like the title of the book, Built to Sell, mm. like, if we're going to build a business, let's build something that is worth something. Right. So let's build it. And by worth it, it means yep. you can sell it. Right. Yep. So let's build something that we can actually sell at the end of the mm-hmm. day and how to go about that. Mm. And so in this book, like he niched down to just providing logo services. That was it. Mm-hmm. And then he created a system for providing logo services. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he became really good at providing logo services. And then all of a sudden he had this very simple business model. Right that he could then repeat over and over and over and over again. And he became so good at it that he could charge a lot of money for sure, it, yep. right? Um, and then he was ultimately able to sell that for millions of dollars mm-hmm. and then retire, mm-hmm. right? And the same is true for your plumbing business. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you can go do plumbing service, heating service, mm. new installs, you know, residential install work, commercial work, commercial sure. service. You can get into all this different stuff, but you need to be able to narrow it down to one thing, yeah. right? And stick with that one thing mm-hmm. and systemize it and make it super profitable. Mm-hmm. And then you have something that's sellable, right? Right. Yeah. 
and I think like a lot of a lot of people a lot of business people don't do that. I think it's because they like one they they want to feel like the thing needs them to survive because mm-hmm. then there's some sort of like self affirming man I'm important to this. Uh-huh. Um because it comes with this idea that like okay you're the manager and if you leave everything breaks mm-hmm. you come back you're like yeah cuz I'm awesome cuz I'm 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 the secret sauce of this company but the I'm, correct perspective is like no 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 you've built a crappy system. Yeah. If like, it can't run without you it's yeah it's it's not sucks. a good system. Yeah, it's not great. No. That, that means that means it's not a real thing yet. It's just you're you're muscling it through. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of person there's a lot of like ego tied into the idea that like no nah, man they need me. It's like, I remember I listened to a lot of Michael Hyatt mm, podcasts. I don't mm-hmm, know if you ever listened mm-hmm. to that. He was CEO of Thomas Nelson, mm. whatever, and now he just has like a bunch of, we'll call it self-help business stuff. Mm. I think he doesn't even run it anymore. His, his daughter does. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was from the beginning, and I remember thinking he was absolutely insane. It was like... <laughs> He was like, you gotta, he was like, I leave my business for one month out of the year, mm-hmm. every single year. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't check in. I don't mm-hmm. take phone calls. I don't do emails. Mm-hmm. I just leave. He's like, I want to see what breaks while yeah. I'm gone. And what I want to do is build a business that I can leave and nothing breaks. Yeah. And I was like, this guy's freaking insane. Yeah. There's, <laughs> like, there's no way he actually does that. Yeah. He risks all business, the things and he leaves for a month. But, uh, then I did it, and I was like, oh, yeah, you can do that. You left for a month? Yeah, we yeah. left for two weeks first, mm-hmm. and then we left for two weeks, and some stuff broke. Sure. Um, nothing, No big deal. And then we kind of came back, and, was, and we kind of got those things figured out, and then I was like, let's leave for a month. So we left for... No, 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 no. It was your wife who said, let's leave for a month. My wife said, let's leave for mm-hmm. a month. I was scared to death to leave for a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was freaking out inside. Yeah. My wife is smarter than I am, and she was like, we need to leave for a month. Mm-hmm. So we did. We left for almost the entire month of December. Mm-hmm. We went to Phoenix, and we had a good old time. And I wrote all the systems for my business mm-hmm. at that point, mm-hmm. um, and nothing broke. Mm. Like, everything ran great. It was our most profitable month yet, mm. the month of December when mm-hmm. we weren't there for a month. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, when I came back, I came back and I expected like I checked in with the CSRs a couple times, said sure. hi to my manager a couple times. Um, I remember coming back and being like, "Okay, some shit's gonna be broke." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like then, here we go, about to hear about and it. And then nothing was broken, and I was like, "Dang, this is crazy." <laughs> mm. It was cool. Did it make you feel good? Super good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then the next month, I put my SOPs in place, and then the next month, we lost thirty grand. and and i was like oh crap (laughs) like i suck i'm the problem (laughs) i gotta go sorry guys seems like you guys are better without me Uh, yeah i'll just back out (laughs) really the problem there was um it boiled back down to the perception of our company in the marketplace sure and the increase in ad spend yeah and that's when i read 100 million offer and it changed Uh, the way i think about it yeah 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 and so we went in, and so not only that, but we were still underpriced. And I didn't have the balls to raise my prices mm. until I read 100 million offer. Mm-hmm. And I read, uh, look, sure. the point of being in business is to make money. And the best thing you can do is offer it as cheap as possible and make as much money as possible, mm-hmm. right? That should be the goal of every entrepreneur. Right. If not, you're just, what are you doing? 
Yeah, what the heck is the point? And I was at a point after losing 30 grand, I was like, I got eight technicians. Sure, yeah, you got a lot on the line. Mm -hmm. I got a general manager. I got all their families that are supporting. Mm -hmm. I got my wife quit her job. Mm -hmm. We got to support my family. This is my future. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't let that happen. And that was the point where I finally raised my prices to like what they really should. Sure, they should have been from the beginning. Yes, but I I didn't have the... I was still fighting in my head the mm. thought that there's a limit to how much you can charge mm-hmm. and that the customer would freak out and stop buying our services. And like all of them would, would all explode. of them would run away. All of them would run away and the whole business would explode if we raised our prices to the to the point at which we had to raise them. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening is we actually lost the crappy customers and gained more of the good ones mm. because when we started charging enough we were actually able to slow down. Right. So we, ha- we were able to stop pushing our guys. So we actually went and did less work, but we mm-hmm. made more money. Yeah. Right. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it was, and I never would have expected it, mm-hmm. but I, I reached that moment of, I have to make this work. Mm-hmm. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. So I raised my prices overnight. We literally raised them over a hundred. I think we raised them over a hundred dollars an hour. And the beauty of being on software is you can just like click and then it does it. Yes. And we were already the most expensive in town and we went way more than anybody else in town. Did you tell your guys when you did that or did they just nope. show up to work and they just started doing stuff? They just showed up to work. And then did and they ask you like, stuff. wait, what's going on here? Nope. They didn't even notice. It was just, One guy like a week later was like, did we raise prices on something? And I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. we did because I want you to have a yeah. paycheck at the end of the day. Because we lost 30 grand. <laughs> and this is what I have to charge to give you a paycheck. Did he go, I want to make oh. sure that you have that paycheck for years to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That was a good it was a good time in my business. Yeah. Since then, man, everything got so much easier. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you if your business actually just spits out cash, it is so much easier to take good care of your people, mm. make good decisions, clean up bad decisions, take care of your customers. It's better for everybody yeah it's not just better for you it's better for everybody yeah you owe it to your customers you owe it to your employees you owe it Mm -hmm. to their families you owe it to your community you owe it to yourself to actually charge enough to make a profit Mm. otherwise what are you doing uh having a good time (laughs) (laughs) i guess so (laughs) so Mm. yeah science of getting rich 100 million offers Raving fans, the E Myth, mm-hmm. the One Minute Manager, mm-hmm. Profit First for Contractors, and Built to Sell. Mm. All very good, life changing, business changing books. Yeah. They're, and honestly, all of those are very easy reads mm-hmm. or listens, and all of them will have a positive impact on your business. Yep. So if you're going to make a book list for the year, if all you did was read those books, mm-hmm. a lot of people would be a lot better off. Mm. Yeah, that's actually, I just had the thought of like, oh yeah, you own a plumbing business, but you're just giving very specific, because dude, there's so many books out there about business yeah. and about personal development yep. that it's like, and once you add in podcasts and you add in all the other things, yep. it just becomes a sensory overload where you can listen to 15 different people in yep. one day and learn nothing. Yep. But like you just gave a really cool list of like, hey, you're a plumbing business owner. That's successful. 
If you listen to these books, all of these it will books help you immensely. Will apply to your business specifically. Yeah, so you don't have to waste time finding the ones that can apply in this way and that way. It's like these ones are the these ones are the gold ones. There's so many junk books out there. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Yeah. Yes. And there's just, and even the good ones, if like, if you're on a, again, if you're just absorbing information from all sources and then you could miss a good one just because you just got so much going on in your head. Cause I've definitely been there with like, well, Jared, I'm listening to this book online. I'm reading this book and I love this podcast and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I'm learning nothing. Information over the Exactly. I do that too. Yeah. It's easy to do. Got to be careful. And that's why I think books are valuable because like, since, especially when it's in your hands, it's like an mm-hmm. intentional moment where you're like, I'm going to sit down and read this. Yep. And since I'm taking the time to do that and I'm not doing anything else because I can't, yep. I actually have to, that's, like there's more There's more emphasis to do something with this. That's another thing is make a time to read books and set that time aside and actually read books. Yeah, and here's the thing that I've learned is that the thing that competes with that time is typically stuff that isn't useful. Correct. Like it's like, dang, I should watch Seinfeld. Here's or read everybody a book. listening to this should literally just incorporate an hour of reading time in their morning routine. Mm-hmm. I think that, especially for business books, I think that's the best time mm-hmm. because then you're actively thinking about it and you can continue to think about it for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So if you start work at eight, you got to be to your first service call at eight, or you got to show up to the shop at eight or whatever, wake up at six read a book and drink some coffee mm-hmm. and then get ready to go to work and go to work. Yeah. You'll be 10,000 times better off. Yep. Do your journal in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Take five minutes mm-hmm. to write down what you want out of life and where you're going. Mm-hmm. Help you out. Yep. Yep. Cool, dude. Cool, man. Thanks. See you, Holmes. See you.